welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. I get your Bible site because I do have a word for you this morning that I believe God has put in my heart. And it, it, it's, um, there's going to be plenty of scripture this morning. Uh, it, it's in, does anyone ever look back in their life and have regret? No, no not at all. <laughs> Everyone's lived their life. Uh, have you all lived your life just like floating on a cloud of glory every day? You know, waking up, the angels attend to you. And you just get through to the end of the day and go, Lord, that was just amazing. You know, just thank you, Jesus. It was all awesome. No regrets ever. Let me see those hands. I think what you're, you would typically be called a spoofer in <laughs> Belfast parlance, isn't that right? Um, because sometimes I, I, I had this moment when I was away and I, I, I literally did. I was sitting, I was thinking about... Like, I was having this wee moment of reflection. I was sitting uh, in before I went on to the stage to preach at Rhema Church. Now, for those of you who don't know, Rhema Church is probably one of the most influential churches in the world. A lot of what we see today in the movement that we're grafted into um, was born through, inspired by Josh's father, Pastor Ray McCauley. And I, um, I, was, I was fine until I got into the church, and it's massive. Like, it's, the auditorium's about 6,000, and... I was standing there, and uh, then I started to feel really, really nervous, right? It's oftentimes when you're on the brink of something that God wants to move you into and forward, and I don't really get nervous. I don't generally. I've done this for years, so talking to you lot is a wee bit like falling off a bike for me, you know, or, or falling. Is that an expression, or did I just make that up? No? See, in my head, that makes sense. There's some expression which kind of means this is easy, and I love to teach and all that kind of stuff, but I'm standing there about to go up and... Um, in the pit of my stomach, I started to feel like really nervous. And it wasn't about preaching because it was a blind and preach, right? It was just a cracker. You know, you don't go away and do new stuff when you're preaching somewhere new. You do something that you know you're on home ground with. And uh, so it wasn't that, but I just had this sense of, it was a mixture of excitement for the future. Thank you so much, sir. Look at that. Let's show our appreciation to Samuel. Bless you, my friend. Because that was going nowhere very quick. Um, but I also had this moment of going, what, I have no right to be here. Do you get that? Just being very vulnerable with you to go, I have no right to be here. When I think about what that stage is and the, the global impact that's had and the legacy that sits there and the people who've been there, I, I thought, I, what the heck am I doing? I was almost like going to tap Penny on the shoulder and go, I think we should do. Remember that Emmerdale, do it a dingle, used to mean you used to run. The dingles used to go and eat stuff, and then they would run like mad. I said to Penny, let's do a dingle and get out of here. All right? Get to the airport, get out of here, get back to Belfast, where they clearly don't love you anyway, but it's better than this. Right? And I was like, let's get, let's get out of the way. Because there was this moment of, of me going, you know, like, what makes you think you can do that? Because what happens when you're moving forward is what comes up in your heart is regret about the past. And I felt like the Lord said, Penny said it weeks ago. She said, we've got to attach faith to our past and believe that God will restore that which was stolen from us. Because if we live with doubt and disappointment, we, it's hard to carry doubt and disappointment into our future when we haven't seen restoration of that which was stolen from us in the past. Does that make sense? And I want to speak to you about restoration this morning. It's just a, a one-off um, because I honestly believe that in this place, some of the things, in, and in the church in general, like we have to have believe, not just that, it's not like we pick ourselves up every day and just go, oh, another day with Jesus, let's go. And we kind of, sometimes we, we kind of gather disappointment like pebbles, don't we? Don't we? 
It's like, it's not like some massive things that we face, but some like little things every day or every couple of days. And so when we look over the course of our lives, it's hard to have faith for our future when we're locked in disappointment from our past. And what the Lord spoke to me as I was standing there, um, he, he just started to speak the word restoration. He says, Andrew, I am restoring that which was stolen from you. And this is a moment of restoration. So don't let the past rob you of what I am moving you forward. Attach faith to everything that went on in your life and let me restore that which was taken from you. Do you get that? And for some of you this morning, like we're really good at putting a face on the Sunday, aren't we? Of saying, Jesus, I love you. Some, some great songs this morning, great atmosphere of worship. The presence of Jesus is here. But somewhere in our hearts lurks this thought of, but can I really believe for tomorrow? Because I have seen so much taken from me. Anybody? So let me, shall we go to the word on that? Because the word is absolutely fantastic, shall we? Because let me just read my, my, my favorite verses, John 1, 17. For from his fullness we've all received. What have we received? Grace upon grace. For the law was given through the servant Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's, it's, it started to, in my head, just over the week, as the Lord started to speak this word of restoration, I, I had just had the sense of going, we've got to go back and see Jesus again as the one who restores. Because restoration doesn't come through any other channel in your life other than Jesus and a revelation of who he is. And so uh, when, we, when we look at this, uh, Ephesians 3, 16 through 20 is what I believe the Lord is saying to you. Like, you know, because some of us say, look, look at my life today. And you go, I deserve it. I got what's coming to me. And sometimes the church and religion has even backed that up, hasn't it? You know, we've sung those songs, you give and take away, right? I used to think, flipping Nora in worship going, I've got my hands raised here, but I'm actually raising my hands to a God who's waiting to beat me over the head and take stuff from me, right? And what do we do? We always go more negative than what we should, didn't we? So we don't go, hallelujah, Jesus, I'm blessed. We go, oh, no, there's this and there's this and there's this. And the Lord is just standing there willing to take away. And like the God can't restore from to me. Why? Because I deserved it in the first place. I messed up. I got it wrong. I judged it wrong. I said the wrong things, did the wrong things, went the wrong places. I fully deserve what I got. And then religion comes along and says, not like grace and truth to you. It comes along and says, yeah, you deserved what you got. Right? And you know what? That's, you're going to carry. You're going to carry that till the day you die. The Lord might love you today, but you're going to carry that failure until you go to heaven. And I'm here today to say, no, attach faith to everything in your past and watch God restore it. There are people here today who were stolen from in terms of reputation, money, finance, relationship. And when I say stolen, it's not just that the enemy comes and steals. You messed it up. All right? That's okay. Grace upon grace to you this morning. If you want to, if you want to, I'm not going to preach it this morning, but the, the story of the prodigal is, is our absolute like final word in this. He messes us up left, right, and center. Even when he comes back to his father, he's still not repentant. He's selfish to his core. I just want better food. My, the father's servants are, are doing better than me. It wasn't like I'm really, really sorry. That was not in his heart, but still he received grace. I want to tell you the grace of God is bigger than your mess. But what we've allowed the devil to do is to say, your mess was final, your mess was fatal, and you were robbed from partly because of the enemy and partly because of your mistakes. And Jesus says, no, let me restore it all to you. Why? Because when you see the restoration of God in your life, it gives you faith for tomorrow. Amen? 
So let's look at this. In Ephesians 3, 16 through 20, it says that he would grant you this morning, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That being what? Rooted and grounded in love, in agape, his love, you may be able to comprehend with everyone together the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, to let your experience of God's love go beyond what sits in your head, that you may be what um, a Luther wrote, this word is to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's my prayer for you this morning. Be filled with the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do. Now, you've got to say a yes and an amen. Attaching faith means trust, right? Faith means trust. When, when I say you attach faith to what went on in the past, what that means is this. In order to see it respond, restored to you. This next verse is critical. You've got to say, Lord, I trust in this moment that no matter what it was, that you will do exceedingly more than ever I could ever hope or imagine. That you can do it, not me. Why? Because grace upon grace. He wants you to see the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of his outrageous, scandalous love for you this morning. And where religion has kept you down and said, you deserve it, enough is enough. Your past, whatever it is, you missed out and you will never have again. God says this morning, no, I'm rewriting a different script in your life and I'm restoring everything that was stolen from you. But you've got to attach faith to that and say, yes, Lord. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think, according to the power that's the spirit of God who works within us and the church said, Amen. So God is restoring you this morning if you have faith for it. Now, there's three things I want to just quickly talk about. Is it the heart of God to do that? How does it happen and what does it look like? Because these areas of pain and loss, of sickness and bruising and hurt, negative words, negative vows, disappointment with God and with people, I want, I, it's just like it says in Psalm 23, the Lord is hunting you down with blessing. He is chasing you with blessing, going before you with blessing. And he says, stop listening to the negative, uh, lying words about what was yesterday because I am the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Some of you ready for that? Awesome. So where do we start? I, I wanna say this, your blessing and your restoration is not the thing that you think it is. The blessing is Jesus. Let me explain this to you. Whenever people sought after Jesus, many of us come to Jesus and we say, I need healing. Many people come and go, I need provision. I need hope. I need my anxiety dealt with, okay? Whatever it happens to be. And all those things are right to bring to the Lord. But whenever we look at the word, when people sought after Jesus, they got what they wanted, number one, but they also got so much more. You see, we come looking for water to drink because we're thirsty. Like the woman at the well, right? As she was there, I mean, Jesus is thirsty and there's that interplay that goes on. But she, she went away not just with her physical thirst satisfied, but she was restored, she was forgiven, she was healed, and she was whole. Whenever you come to the Lord for anything, we need to raise our expectation of faith to go, I may be looking just at this level, but Jesus is always lifting you up to go, I'm the blessing that you need it's me that you need, and in me you have everything. 
because we operate on a lower level than what God wants to do. Sometimes we would settle for just our bases being covered, but he says, whenever you encounter me, I want you to experience not just what you need, but so much more than what you need. This is the story of John 2 in Cana, isn't it? It's like religion tells us just to have low expectations of God. Just believe a little bit for today and hope for tomorrow. And the Lord says, no, if you really get a, a, a vision and a view that my grace and my work for you, that is the blessing. I am the blessing. You get me, then you get everything that is part of me. And some of us have just reduced God to a bit of a slot machine, frankly, where we go, I come to you for this. I want this. I'm praying this in order that I receive, almost like pulling the handle of a machine. And the Lord says, no, can you just stop a while and get a bigger view of me? Because whatever you think you need, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above it all. And see your past, I'm gonna just pour right into that so that you have faith for your future. I honestly believe the word that the Lord is saying to you is stop letting your past be an impediment for the blessing of God in your future. You have got to make that choice this morning. You've got to say to the Lord, I'm going to give my heart and my attention to Jesus and his grace and in that place attach faith to everything that's gone before that he will restore. Because if we go on, let, let's have a look at this. In Joel 2.25, the prom, I'm going to read predominantly from the Old Testament here. He says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Lots of different locusts there, isn't there? But they're all chewing and consuming and crawling and it doesn't sound very good. Okay, so where do we see Jesus in this, all right? Where do we see that, you know, is there a pattern that we can see whenever God says, I will restore, where we can actually see Jesus in it? In the old, we absolutely can. Let's, if you can, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 7. Just make a wee note. We're gonna go to Deuteronomy chapter seven. And we're gonna see Jesus from the very beginning. The answer for what you need is always Jesus. So whenever God says, I will restore to you everything that was stolen, what he means is he's gonna give you Jesus and his blessing. Let's have a look at it. Deuteronomy 7, we'll start at 13. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land. Now underline this point. Your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land in which he swore to your fathers to give you. Go back there. He will also bless the fruit of your room, the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, and your oil. That's the important bit. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land, which he swore to his fathers to give you. You will be blessed above all peoples. Do you get that? You can just walk past that and go, God, that's your promise to me. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you, what? All sickness. Somebody say amen. See, you read that and you go, well, that's not for me. He actually is right. It's in black and white for you. He will take away all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known. That's the heart of God for his people always. It doesn't change. And it's interesting that like this, if, if you look, he's not just talking about you. He's talking about your family today. And what we see over and over again are these things of grain, new wine, and oil being joined together and talking about blessing. Let's keep on reading, and it shall be earnest to you, earnestly, and, if, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, this is going into verse uh, 13, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then 
I will give you the rain for the land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. There it is again. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between you, uh, you and your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give him, like the days of the heaven and the earth. So what does God want you to see here this morning? It does not speak of incredible blessing, not just for you, but for your family. Isn't that amazing? You kind of go, Lord, when I read that, I say, yes, that is what I want to see. Unashamedly, I want to live in the goodness of God. Didn't you sing it this morning? As I rise before you, Lord, or whatever. I'm really bad with words. I just make stuff up. Not as bad as Penny, who just completely... (laughs) Penny has a way of destroying any worship song. The most famous one being... um, Lord, light the fire again. Did you remember that one? Vineyard, do you ever remember that? Well, the words were, I am here to buy gold refined in the fire. But Penny, for years, used to stand with her hands in the air and go, I am here to buy coal refined in the fire. And I was like, I used to stand in church and go, that doesn't even make sense. And she would be like, fully present and of Jesus right up, buying coal. I said, I said to her one day, coal doesn't refine in the fire. It burns away to nothing. She's going, never you mind. That's just what the Lord said. <laughs> She's absolutely wick when it comes to her song work. It can turn everything. It's, um, yeah, awful. All right. But one of the inter- what's interesting for me here, of all, when the Lord looks at the whole thing of your life, and he, of all the fruits and the flowers in the land of Israel, because it is a beautiful place, right? What does he say? What does he want you to see? He wants you to gather in grain, new wine, and oil. He keeps saying the same thing. Like in Israel, like even on the doorposts of hotels when you go there and they do it in their homes, there are two parchments of scripture that they write. This is what they were told to do. Put these parchments of scripture above your doors and it has Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9 on them. Let's read them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That's what we've read before. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house uh, and on your gates. So there's this picture, right, for your whole family and for your life today, every part of your life. As you go in the morning, as you come home at night, with your children, as you gather in your home, you gather grain, new wine, and oil. That's the blessing. Because what we do see is, even back in the old, the grain, the wine, and the oil is a picture of Jesus. So in the new covenant of grace, what we see is grain, wine, and oil is a picture of Jesus and his finished work. And so what What the Lord was saying right back to his people at the very beginning is if you want to live in blessing and the favor of God, then what you need to do is you need to gather grain, wine, and oil. So the blessing comes when you have Jesus at the center. That's the blessing. The blessing is not your healing. The blessing is the one who gives the healing. The blessing is not the provision. The blessing is the provider. 
And many of us can't see restoration because we're chasing things and not the one who's above it all. And the Lord started to speak to me about that, to go, I want to restore. I want you to have faith that every single thing in your life where you feel a sense of disappointment and regret over it is the Lord wants to step in and go, I'm going to redeem that for you. And where you made a mistake and it cost you, the Lord's going to pay back. And it's outrageous because you think, I don't deserve it. And under the law, you don't deserve it. But under grace, it's fully, freely given. Like, how, how can you, like, parents, that's an, it's an interesting one, parenting, isn't it? Like, as you know, we've got three children. I kind of think we practiced on Ben because he was number one. Number two, we kind of got a wee bit better. Do you know what I mean? Then, like, number three, like, she's kind of raising herself, really. She's running the home, you know. I got up this morning, Sophie, she did her AQE yesterday, or 11 plus, and, uh, whatever, 11 plus, I'm showing my age. And uh, I said to her, because we've been a wee bit, not a wee bit lax, because she is quite smart, but... I said to her, how are you feeling? She went, Dad, this is Friday night. She went, Dad, I'm way more chill than you right now. And I went, are you? She said, Dad, I'm way more chill. It's all fine. Just let it go. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let it go. So she came out yesterday and I said, how did you go? She went, I definitely got one wrong. But I don't want you to worry about that, Dad, because it's all good. I'm like, I'm like this child. I'm up this morning getting ready for church. And I came into the kitchen and she's making herself an omelette right? Everything chopped up. I'm going, this child is just, like when we look at number one versus number three, <laughs> it's like, what the, <laughs> anyone did it? You kind of go, what the heck happened? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But then when you put it all in the mix, one of the things about like being a parent, as an example, is I think part of the joy or part of the challenge, not a joy of feeling like a parent is constantly feeling like you're getting it wrong. Isn't that right? Constantly feeling like, I should have done that better. Anybody? If you're sitting there going, actually, no, I see in our house, it's like the flipping Waltons. She knew, we love it. Oh, how can we get up and wash poor people and have Bible study? Chris Tomlin appears in a vision and we all sing songs. If that's your home, good luck to you, all right? Our house is just not like that. And I look over it and it's funny, we started to do a parenting course for, for and it's like what happens is the enemy comes along and goes, you messed it up. You didn't do that right. What gives you the right to look into tomorrow with any sense of confidence, Right? Any sense of confidence about what you can bring for tomorrow when clearly you didn't get it right in the past. And grace appears and says, listen to me, bind these, this truth to everything about you, your home, and your family. And the truth is the grain, the wine, and the oil, the blessing of Jesus, right? Go out with it over you, come in with it over you, gather underneath it, and everything is restored to you in a moment. Isn't that lovely? And I just started to think about that. How do we know it's a picture of Jesus? Well, to get bread, the bread of life, you have to crush the grain, right? The grain. You have to punch it and knead it. It's pierced and stretched and put into the fire, right? And that is a picture of Jesus himself, the bread of life. When we look at wine, the picture of the blood of Jesus being poured out for you, poured into the ground to redeem you from the curse of the earth, to make you righteous before God, and oil that picture of his Holy Spirit. Ranan in Hebrew means green. It's a, the, 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 the word for oil that they're talking about here is the first press of the olive, the one that was used to anoint the kings. It was green in color because it was so pure. And it's Ranan, and, and green in the Old Testament is always a picture of grace. 
right, that color. So when they pressed the olive the first time, you know, it, it ran and it's what they, like Samuel would have used to anoint kings. It was the, and so what happens is that same oil, that same picture is what's anointed you as a king today. Do you get that? And some of us have our head down, go, but I messed it up and I screwed it up. And, it was, and the Lord says, lift your head up over all of your life. Put the grain, the wine, and the oil because that's your blessing. Amen. What have you put over your home? Have you put over failure? Have you put over regret? Have you put over whatever? What do you go out with in the morning and what do you come back under? What is it that you bind to yourself every day? Because the Lord spoke to me clearly in South Africa and said, Andrew, right? Where the, in that moment of standing in Rama Church, 20 minutes to go, crowd, all the rest of it, going, I don't deserve this. I should not be here. And the Lord said, you know what? I'm your blessing. I've put you here for such a time as this and you have faith for tomorrow that this is what we're calling you for. Like go. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just makes you go, great. And it's like the past is almost, it's not that it disappears, but you have a sense of God's glory for your future. Do you get that? Some of us need to live with more of a sense of God's glory for our future. Is this making sense to you? I believe that. I absolutely believe it. So how do we do that? Well, we... You know, I, I, I think that we have to remember Jesus through, how do we do remember the wine and the oil? Well, there's anointing oil and communion, and that's how we do it. Um, I'm going quite quick today because I want to I take some time to pray. Let, let, me, let me tell you something. There's a time in your life, uh, when I was standing there, the Lord reminded me of something in Numbers chapter 14. And because uh, I've been reading around this in Numbers 15, actually where it says, let me read this. For he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil and one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink, offering you shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb. Okay? What happens here is that there is, after, after there is judgment pronounced, after you mess it up, there is always grace always grace. This is what this means because this is Numbers 15, okay? And it's described, you can see the, the sacrifice of Jesus here. And it's described as a sweet aroma. So whenever they brought this and they made a sacrifice, a sweet aroma, when you hear that, that's a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God, all this kind of language. It just simply means it pleased God. It was enough to God. And what's really amazing about this is God says that whenever he sees the sacrifice of Jesus, it's pleasing to him. And it came right after Numbers 14, right, which was all about failure and judgment. If you don't know your Bible, in, in Numbers 14, Joshua and Caleb were, were the only ones who said they could take the land. They went into Israel, into, the, into Canaan rather, and they said, we can take this. The others did, didn't. So remember, most of the spies come back and they go, we can't do this. There's no way we can move into our future because it's too big for us. There's too much in front of us. And the Lord steps in and, and he pronounces judgment and says, well, you'll never inherit the land, right? And you kind of go... Like in times of your life where you've gone, I can't do this. I'll never make it. I'm not good enough. I just can't see it. Where you haven't had faith and you haven't been able to move on and you get locked into a cycle of defeat and you kind of think that's it. That's the only place I'm gonna stay. The very next thing is there's a sacrifice made and it pleases God. The sacrifice is Jesus. 
So as soon, let, let me tell you something. If you've ever felt in your life that God pronounced a judgment over you because of what you did wrong you, and you put a full stop there, I'm here to tell you the very next sentence begins with, here is the sacrifice that makes it better for you. Some of us haven't turned the page this morning. Some of us kind of look over the page and we kind of look and we go, oh, I don't know. And so we put it back and we put the full stop where, we, where God never put a full stop. Because after any judgment is pronounced by God, there is always grace that follows it straight away. Do you get that? And so he said over your life this morning, like this is what, what was so pleasing for him here, right? Like what was so pleasing in the moment of judgment where you screwed it up, what pleased God to say, but I will bless you and I will keep blessing you. What, what goes up so that blessing can come down? Grain, new wine and oil. And so I wanna to say to you this morning, there's no more judgment for you. Every bit of sin and mess, right, was dealt with for you so that you can live under the flow of his abundance. How? Simply remember Jesus first. Do you know how I've done that? done that since I had this moment, I've stopped asking God for stuff. Because I slip into it. God, I need this, I need that, I need the other. And what I did at times, you know, I haven't done it like every day because, you know, it's, we arrive back late on Tuesday and then you're like, boom. You know, there's a great expression Mike Tyson had. You know, everyone's got a plan. Well, you've talked about people who would fight him, you know, the, the boxer. He says, everyone's got a plan until I smack him in the mouth, <laughs> right? Which I just think is brilliant. So you go out with all these great ideas and then boom, right? You ever feel like that? Oh, Lord, I'm going to be better today. Smack. Oh, poof, there we go. Out for the count, blood, teeth, snotters everywhere. Right? And you kind of go flip. Didn't think this week was going to start like this, right? But actually what, in my heart, what I, what I find has been really helpful for me this week is just see the stuff that bothers you the stuff that concerns you, the stuff that weighs on you. Because surely we all have that, don't we? You should say, stop calling me Shirley, right? <laughs> An airplane joke. That was bad. <laughs> it's just to sit with it. Just sit with it in the presence of God. Stop asking. Stop, you know. It's okay to ask God. Don't get me wrong. But until my heart settled to go, I know that I have the blessing, which is Jesus. And see, in a moment of just sitting with whatever it is, I heard that about a year and a half ago. It was actually Pastor Bill Johnson who talked about this. Um, for those of you who don't know, he's the pastor of Bethel, senior pastor in Bethel Church. And his wife died from cancer, which is, um, you know, they're a, a supernatural church, an amazing church. I love his ministry. Absolutely love it. And he talked about the pain of losing his wife. Pain of losing, and the, as a church, they believed around the world, we were praying for them. You know, Penny and I would pray for Benny, and she died. She died. And um, Bill talked in the subsequent weeks. He preached actually the Sunday after, but he talked about just sitting in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, and saying, Jesus is enough. And just not even having to explain it to God, but just to sit with it. And what, what is religion? Religion even gets to the very way that we interact with the Lord, isn't it? You have to go and you have to tell him and you have to declare over it and all the rest of it. And Bill said, I couldn't, I just sat there. And whatever it is, maybe it's bad habits, maybe it's poor decisions, maybe it's disappointment and pain and hurt or lack. He said, just sit with the wine, the grain, and the oil, with Jesus himself, 
because he knows. And you don't need to perform for him. You don't need to say the right words in the right order in order for him to hear you. Pastor Prince talks about this, doesn't it? Even sometimes when you can just groan before God, he hears it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that grace upon grace? Oh, you need to have it in the right order and you should know better by now. And the Lord says, just come and sit. Just come and sit and just let me see it. And he said he would just sit there like this. Just mindful of the presence of Jesus. Just mindful of his presence. And the Lord would work. I've done that, honestly, in this last week, 10 days. Just sat in the presence of Jesus and gone. Above my life, right now on the doorposts of my life, I just want to sit under the sacrifice of Jesus. Because in this moment, I think I know what, you, what I need. I think I know what's going on, but you do know. So I don't want to be the one who is coming and actually kind of telling God, it's madness to tell God what I need when he goes, I know exactly what you need. I've already provided it for you. You're going to walk into it. I'm going to restore it. Why don't you just sit with me? Because when you get me, you get everything. You're coming for this. I want to give you this. But just sit a while because I'm the blessing. Does that make sense? Can I encourage you to do that this week? To slow yourself down enough? 10 minutes? Could you do that? 15 minutes? Just sit there and say, Lord, I thank you that in this moment that your sacrifice, and here's what will happen in your head. You sit, the enemy comes and goes, but what about? But what about? God's not going to restore. Do you know why? It's Numbers 14. You didn't have faith. You screwed it up. You messed it up. God showed you where he was taking you and you still couldn't do it, right? That was, that's the story of Numbers 14, isn't it? I'm leading you to a place of blessing. 10 out of 12 go, ah, I don't think we can do it. No faith. They, not just that they don't have faith for themselves, they don't have faith for anybody else. They kind of try to derail the whole thing and all the rest of it. And in that moment, as soon as the enemy comes to your head tomorrow morning and goes, ah, but you go, the very next picture is there was a sweet aroma in the rising up to, to God and it was the sacrifice for that mess. And in that moment, I just, do you get that? Every time you think you're being judged, remind yourself that there was a sacrifice made for you and it was the wine, the grain, and the oil the picture of Jesus straight away because there's no judgment, there's only grace. That's if you're in Christ this morning. Now, in that moment, right, what I've found in my own heart is when I start to think about where things messed up, the Lord starts to show how he can restore. He starts to help me to believe that in the moment of my failure, his grace was greater still. Do you get that? We, we have believed the lie as believers that whenever we messed up, his grace was less and judgment was more. Do you get that? It's never the case. The worse your mess, the greater the grace. The grace of God is scandalous, isn't it? Some of us are so blasé about it. It's absolutely scandalous. But we don't take time to let it so permeate our hearts and our thinking because we're in too much of a rush just chucking requests out to God. Like, are you there, God, are you not? And he says, sit with me. Put it over your life and your family. My work. Keep yourself connected, John 15, the vine and the branch. Keep yourself connected in that place. Be mindful. Put it in your, you know, they tied it to their heads, right? A picture of let my thoughts only be about what God has done. And in that place, the life of God flows. 
the restoration of God flows. Can I just do my last bit? Are you feeling encouraged this morning? See if you're starting to feel there's some area of your life that the Lord is putting his finger on. Because every single one of you has an area in your life where you go, that will never change. Or that what I did was final. And I will never walk in the goodness and the favor of God in that area. And the Lord's saying, at the very point where you were messing it up, my sacrifice was greater still. That gives me faith. And the Lord restore that for me. Restore that for me. Because when I see the restoration of God, it gives me faith for tomorrow. I, I think um, this trip for Penny and I, you know, we, we didn't really know what, other than, I mean, Josh and I are great friends. We had super time with them. Um, super time with them, actually. And good fun. All that. Kids got on like a ball. Like, do you know all the things just click, you know? It's funny because they're boys the same age as our girls. And we're thinking, that could be a wee bit awkward. Holy smokes, not at all. Out of the corner of my eye at times, their, their youngest one, Joel, is an absolute firecracker. He's a brilliant wee lad, but he's, you're never done with mischief, right? So him and Sophie connected, like, oh my word. So there's, there's time where it's funny because um, Josh, we were at the swimming pool on the very last day. We had like an Arctic hill, so we went to the pool because it was like 35 degrees or something ridiculous. And so I'm standing, Josh is talking about the rapture, right? This is just funny. So I'm standing up to my legs in the, the, the water and uh, Josh is talking about the rapture. His youngest, Hannah, who's six, has left the swimming pool and is making her way somewhere, I don't know where, with another group of kids. So it's all going around in my head, right? <laughs> and it's like, you know, and then out of the corner of my eye, I can see Joel and Sophie pulling this massive bench across to the side of the swimming pool. And then I'm thinking, I should probably say something here, but it's not really my place because it's not my pool. And then I'm looking as chairs start to go on top of the bench. I'm thinking they're going to be diving. I'm thinking we've got to get a plane in three hours, right? I don't want busted faces or necks. And uh, I, could I could just see Sophie saying to Joel, shh, they'll never see. And I'm like, so I had to call it, right? Because I'm going, he's banging on about the rapture. The wee one's miles away. Our kids are just about to, and it was just complete pandemonium, right? So I'm like, get the down, and they were like, <gasps> so everything was, it was brilliant. It was a great trip, but part of it was the Lord going, I want to restore to you. Do you get that? There's always something deeper when the Lord, when, when you're mindful of where, where you are and what the Lord is doing, there's always a deeper thing going on. And I took that word of restoration for our church, not just for me and Penny, but for the church, to go, we need to be a people where we see the good news of the gospel is your past is not just, oh, that was awkward, do away with it. Your past is completely redeemed and everything that was stolen is multiplied back to you by the hand of God. Have you lost, have you lost years due to sickness? Have you lost years due to lack? Have you lost years due to anxiety? Then the Lord says to you this morning, I am your blessing and don't come to me to have your anxiety healed. Come to me and I will restore way more exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever think. That is an act of faith. That's attaching faith to your past. Amen? Do you know why? Because it, it's like, it sits and it eats away at us. It gnaws at us. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. You messed up. You're going to mess up again. And you know what? See, if you do mess up again, right? Try not to. But grace abounds even still. So I just finished this last bit. So how are we restored? Let me just look at this. Joel 2, 23, 25. 
It says, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Threshing floor is a picture in the, in the Old Testament of judgment, right? So anytime you see a threshing floor where things were broken, you threshing, and, but it says they'll be full of wheat. So it says the place of your crushing and the place of your failure will be a place of blessing. Somebody say amen. Gee whiz, right? And your vats shall overflow with what? New wine and oil. So I love this. The place of condemnation, failure, the place of crushing and defeat. And you might have been there once or you might have been there a hundred times. But the Lord says this, with Jesus as the blessing, those very places will be restored to a place of abundant blessing. I love it. Now, so I'll restore to you the years that those swarming locusts have eaten. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. Let me quickly tell you what those mean. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people, listen, will never be put to shame. Okay? So let me just tell you what this means very quickly. Locusts came and destroyed crops, but it lasted for more than one year. It's likely that if you were, when locusts would come in one way, there was a multi-year impact. Let me explain it to you. How does that work? Well, what happens is they would wipe out the seed from yesterday, from last year, what you've just planted. The harvest from this year was also affected because what was due now, and what you, for us, what we feel like we're missing out on now because of what was stolen from yesterday, and it also then robbed the seed of the next year. So there was a multi-year impact. Whenever, whenever we have an impact in our lives around failure, defeat, and things that are stolen from us, it's about yesterday. It robs us of confidence for today and of confidence for tomorrow. That's the three kind of locusts. That's what it means, okay? And what happens here, uh, like, you know, the Lord says in verse 23, he says, I'll send early rain, Malkosh in Hebrew, to strengthen and mature you. That same word in Proverbs 16, 5, is the smile, Malkosh, the rain, is actually translated in Psalm 16 as the smile of God's favor. Isn't that beautiful? I just love the way that's. So it's like, where I, I was stolen from yesterday, which has robbed me of confidence for today and hope for tomorrow, receive the smile of God's favor. And it, it's like, and the Lord says, it's like rain falling on your life. And what does rain do? It brings life. Amen? Okay. Close your eyes for one wee minute. Father, I speak over lives this morning where we've sat in a place of judgment over ourselves, Lord, not given by you. And Father, I pray this morning that it would, these lives would be filled with the grain, the wheat, the wine, and the oil, the finished work of Jesus. I just, as your eyes are shut and your eyes are closed, just what is it that you're picturing in your head? What is the area? It could be loads of areas in your life. It's all right. What are the things that, the Achilles heel that keeps coming back? to say because of that, you can't, you can't hope today and you certainly can't believe that it'll be different tomorrow. As I believe that the, the Spirit of the Lord here this morning 
is showing you the smile of the king's favor. The early rain pouring over you today. And he's saying, in this moment, I will restore to you all that was taken from you. Some of you have to attach faith to that truth and say, whatever my feelings might say, I believe in this moment, Lord, that you have me here in this place at this time for this word this morning. Because I will not live one day longer robbed of the goodness and the favor of God. I will not allow hope to be taken from me. I will not dumb down my existence, Lord, to that of just getting through. But instead, I will see your goodness. Lord, for every bit of failure in the past, every bit of disappointment in the past, we thank you, Father, that instead of binding those things to our, to our heads and binding them over our homes, a picture of going out and coming in, Father, this morning, we see Jesus. We sit here in this moment with Jesus. I just want you to imagine him right in front of you right now because he's here. I want you to imagine him lifting up your head, putting his hand under your chin to lift up your eyes to look right into his. And he says, what is it? What is it that's bothering you? Give it to me. Cast your care to me because I care for you. Let me take it from you, the Lord says. And let me show you that in this moment there's a divine exchange a beautiful exchange where you receive grace upon grace but I don't deserve it no but I loved you first but I don't know if I can do it well I don't really care the Lord says with my help you can do anything I'll mess it up again the Lord says just give it to me because every time Numbers 14, 15 every time you find yourself that should be a place of judgment all you do is you find yourself in a place where a sweet sacrifice was made I want you to picture now those mistakes in the past not to live in them but I want you to see how the Lord is going to restore those to you what would they look like restored what's that picture of faith that you see in your head what's that picture that faith paints for you is it a fit body a straight back hands with no pain in them a mind that gets up at rest and at peace in the mornings hope and excitement for each day and for the future is that what you see whatever the Lord's picture the Lord is painting in your heart this morning that's where he wants to lead you he wants to show you where grace will take you. So Jesus, paint that picture this morning. Paint that picture deep into the hearts and the minds of the people here, those watching. Father, color over every disappointment and every bit of failure with a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture of your grace and what it does into our futures. We say no to your people being stolen from anymore. So Jesus, we sit with you just for this moment. 
and allow you, Lord, just to take that, those heaviness and that burden from us. this morning if you just want to open your hands like this and just say Lord I give it to you there's something physical that goes on when we say Lord here it is just take it when we sit closed at times we can't give or receive but when we're open we can just say Lord here it is to you I give it to you This moment right now Lord is healing and restoring he's binding up wounds he's assured I just have this word of assuring someone like a deep assurance that you're okay that tomorrow's okay I get the sense of the Lord speaking safety and protection over a family it sits in your heart where you worry about there's a worry for your husband or your wife or your kids will they be okay and the Lord says I am watching over them I'm protecting them I go before them into their work go before them into their day into their school I'm protecting them my hand is on them my angels are set and appointed to watch over every step whatever it is don't let tomorrow rob you of yesterday rob you of tomorrow give it to the Lord Jesus thank you that when we come to you you give us more than we could ever hope or dream of for some hearts this morning you're just turning to the Lord but you haven't done it in a while that's okay I speak that over you right now and all God's people said amen are you encouraged this morning why don't we stand here